Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very, very special guest. She was the first woman or athlete in the University of Minnesota history to become an NCAA All-American. She swam for the Gophers for four years and then coached for them for 44 years. Uh, she recently announced her retirement, and today we have the pleasure of sitting down and picking the brain the University of Minnesota's Terry Ganley. Good morning. privilege to be talking with you today. Um, like I said, you recently announced your retirement after 44 years as a coach and four years before that as an athlete at the University of Minnesota. So um, I guess just first off, what what prompted this decision for you and what went into deciding to retire? Um, you know, I think there comes a time when in your life when you, you know it's time. Um, obviously, after coaching for 44 years and um, I'm 65 years old, I'll be 66 in June. So, um, you know, time to, time to let uh, younger coaches take over and, and enjoy the experiences that I had. And really time for me to, to start a new journey, start enjoying weekends, um, maybe sleeping in till like six or something with, uh, you know, nowhere to go. So I'm the youngest in my family, you know, I have, uh, four older siblings and so want to be able to spend time with family. I have a three-year-old granddaughter now that I want to spend some time with before uh, she doesn't think it's so cool to hang out with grandma. So, you know, just, uh, yeah, time in, in life to it. I've got my health and um, things are in order so I can uh, enjoy retirement and do some traveling. And like I say, start, started competitive swimming at the age of 10. So really, you know, for what the past 55, 56 years have never really had weekends off. So that'll be, that'll be an adventure. I think Saturday mornings with, you know, staying home and Sundays in June. Uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to is weekends, weekends in the summer. Um, just never had that freedom. Absolutely. I, I think every swimmer can relate to that. And <laughs> that sounds like, like a welcome journey uh, to start. Um, I mean, like you said, you've been in, you've been in the sport for over, uh, over half a century, which is a, a long, long time. And I'd, I'd like to explore that journey a little bit um, for our listeners who, who aren't as knowledge or educated on your, on your very long career. Um, you started at 10, as you said, uh, I mean, do you remember what drew you to swimming um, originally or why you stuck with it? Um, you know, well, I think it was fun. You know, I think, you know, when I look back even on earlier um, interviews when I was in college and stuff, it's like it was always fun. And I think I always thought when it's when it's not enjoyable, um, I wouldn't continue. And as any competitive swimmer or coach knows, you know, every day is not fun, but, you know, just the the whole experience. And I think the way I started, there was a 20 yard four lane pool in our neighborhood that uh, all the neighborhood kids would go and, you know, do the open rec swim in the afternoons. And 
the swim team started at five o'clock. So it was right after open rec, I guess you would call it now, ended. And a couple of, uh, you know, neighborhood kids just decided to, to try out and join the swim team. And, and that's how it started. Um, four lane, 20 yard pool, you know, 80 IMs were awesome. <laughs> I had to count to five to swim a hundred, but you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, Ascension Swim Team, Ascension Swim Club, I guess it was called, AAU team back then, you know, it produced a, a number of great swimmers and coaches, certainly in the history of, of Minnesota. I mean, Marty Knight, Gene Freeman, Dennis Dale all came out of the Ascension program, um, you know, and so it's, it had a, a very storied history, you know, people from that era we're still lifelong friends. Uh, it was truly a family atmosphere. Carol Gustafson was the coach, um, longtime coach, certainly an educator. And uh, yeah, that's how it started. And then, you know, when I finished high school, there was no high school swimming for girls um, in Minnesota at that time. So swam club, you know, all the way through high school and then uh, started at the university. And actually when I my freshman year at the U was Jean Freeman's first year coaching. Um, and so, you know, swam for four years. And then right when I finished, um, was hired on as, as one of the assistant coaches. So, so that's really interesting. I, I, from reading, I knew that you swam for and coached with Jean Freeman. Uh, I didn't realize that you guys came from the same club team as well. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, long time one of our longtime men's coaches, Dennis Dale, also came out of the Ascension program. So, yep, long and history. is and is that club um, in Minneapolis? Yep, North Minneapolis. Um, okay, it's a, actually a Catholic grade school, which you know, in the fifties and sixties was you know really one of the premier premier schools and clubs. Um, the swim, swim, like I say, the swim team, but they had a gym upstairs, you know, the site of many, many basketball tournaments. And yeah, it was, uh, it was good times. Yeah. But that's near north side of Minneapolis that, that, you know, has gone through a lot of change and um, had some, some rough times. Um, still, still in the midst of that, as I'm sure you know on the national news right now, Minneapolis is, is having some, some struggles, but yeah. It was in my neighborhood, walked, what, four blocks to the, to the pool. So, and being I was the youngest of, of six, and so it, uh, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it if, if it required parental uh, driving and that sort of thing. But, you know, luxury was back then you could walk places. And so then was Jean the one who, you, you mentioned that her first year, coaching was your first year swimming at Minnesota. Was she the one who recruited you or were you recruited by a different coach or were you recruited at all? I was not recruited at all. Um, I just, I wanted, at that time, you know, it was, it was thought, the thought process was that, you know, girls peaked at 13 or 14 years old, you know, and, and girls really didn't continue swimming much beyond the 15, 16 year old. And I was still improving, still having fun. And, and I wanted to really just wanted to keep swimming is kind of why I went to college, to be honest. Um, it was the first in my family really to, 
to graduate from college. You know, it wasn't, uh, I guess it wasn't really, a certainly wasn't a career goal of mine to, to go to college and, and coach, but um, I guess swimming brought me that, that career path for sure. And I mean, so then getting to swim with, uh, swim under Jean, um, can you tell me a little bit about that experience? And obviously, um, obviously you kept improving in college. Yeah, you know, and Jean was an educator too. You know, I think we all kind of grew up with that with, with Gus, our, our club coach that, you know, and Jean certainly had the philosophy of, of education and life lessons, you know, and, and uh, it was really the beginning, well, obviously the beginning of um, women's athletics really being treated, you know, the way, the way we are now with Title IX was just coming in. You know, we, there was two main pools on campus. Kakao was where the men trained. You know, that's, that was a six lane, you know, very nice. Well, it's a little older now, but at that time facility and, and the women were across campus, um, again, in a four lane pool without lane lines and we didn't have overnight lockers. So you carried all your stuff in your backpack or suit and goggles and, you know, shampoo. And then gradually we got into cook one night a week after the men were done. And then I think by my senior year, we, we were training in cook hall, um, you know, not the same time as the men, but certainly um, I forget the hours, maybe two to four, four to six, but, you know, in the 72 Olympics, um, Craig Lincoln uh, was a bronze medalist um, in uh, three meter diving and he trained in Cook Hall. And I still remember when we swam in Cook, the swimming and swimmers and divers trained at the same time. So the divers would time their dives around us swimming circles and making sure that we weren't underneath <laughs> the diving boards, if you can imagine that in this day and age. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, you know, and we traveled around the state, mostly competing, um, you know, we had a few colleges up north, Duluth and, and um, Marshall, Minnesota, had, Marshall had a very nice facility, actually, so, and I know every time we traveled to go to meets, Gene would make sure that we, we got some education out of it um, and did something that, that meant something in, to the area, so that I remember one time we were going up to Duluth for a meet and we were leaving so early and I just, why are we leaving so early? Well, we were going to go to, into downtown Duluth and see the lake and, and the bridge. And, you know, I was like, well, I just want to go and swim. You know, I don't need to learn all this other stuff. Um, so she was definitely an educator. Um, I would say it was the most, the thing that sticks out the most about Jean. And that's certainly something I, I believe I brought to my career. Um, I think that as coaches, you know, first and foremost, we're educators. Um, and hopefully in the end, they swim fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, so it, that, that's really, that sounds really unique. It sounds like not a lot of head coaches would, <laughs> would, would take those opportunities, especially Definitely. when traveling to some meets. Right. Um, what I, I mean, I have to ask was, you know, you mentioned the men had a very nice pool, the women, you know, had not as nice of a pool. Um, and then gradually it kind of changed over time. Was, was that ever a frustration for you or, or something that you brought you angst at all? You know, no, not at the time. I think it's just the way it was. 
you know, I think thankfully there were women and, and men like Jean who were maybe bigger thinkers or forward thinkers. And I think for Jean, what really kind of instilled it in her is she has a brother the exact same age as, as myself. And we were pretty similar abilities and he was being recruited nationally, you know, and I was not at all. There, there just wasn't recruiting for, for girls or women at that time, you know, and, uh, and I think that really sparked something in her, just the, the huge difference between the way her brother was being, you know, treated, I guess, or um, as, a, as a swimmer, as an athlete, um, and the way I was, and this, the difference was gender, really. Um, you know, we were both obviously good swimmers, and um, so I think that's what started it. For us in college, you know, it's just the way it was, and you didn't really, at least for me, didn't really think too much about it. I enjoyed swimming. I enjoyed the opportunities I had. Didn't really spend much time thinking about you know, what the guys had and what I didn't have. Uh, we just enjoyed what we did. And I mean, I know, you know, just going, thinking back on it, it's kind of, it's bizarre, really. Um, I think, you know, people in college now, you know, complain if we have, not always, but some, not Minnesota athletes, some athletes might complain, you know, if you don't have a direct flight to a meet, you know, and I, I remember, driving to the Big Ten Championships in Bloomington, Indiana, and we stayed overnight at, uh, at a hotel. You know, it was a two-day drive. Um, and I remember at the hotel having, uh, you know, whatever shape pool it was, we'd take turns, somebody standing at the end of bump, you know, you'd, so you wouldn't hit the walls just so we could swim, you know, the one, because obviously, you know, swimmers have to swim every day, right? But, you know, this day and age, no one would, think of a two-day drive staying overnight in a hotel to get to your conference championship meet. Um, and I, I know on the way back, we stayed overnight at one of our swimmers houses, you know, we all slept on the floor or wherever I, so, um, but those are great memories, you know, and um, we had vans that were rented from the school, not much heat. I remember sitting on each other's feet and it was, uh, you know, it was fun. We had, we had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> that's, again, this certainly sounds unique. And like you said, something, it look, look the, the landscape looks very different today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was, were there Big Ten championships for the women's team all four years you competed? Yeah, my first year, um, we had Big Tens. My first year was at Madison, if for those listeners who have been at the the old Nat um, is where we had the uh, conference championship. And I don't know if it was actually sanctioned that first year, but it, it was, you know, all the big 10 teams were there. It was a big 10 championship at Madison, um, you know, in that pool. Well, yeah. I mean, they have the new, the brand new facility now, which it is beautiful. It's not as beautiful as Minnesota, but it's a great facility, but the old Nat, I mean, we later on, when I was coaching, you know, we had a, a swimmer uh, start in warm up, hit the bottom. Um, that pool is so shallow, and you know, to think, think nowadays what the facilities we have are just, especially in the Big Ten. I mean, with the new pool at Madison, with Ohio State, with Minnesota, I mean, Purdue, we've got great, great facilities. So, um, but yeah, all four years there was 
Big Ten champion, Big Ten championships. And I mean, did you know, again, you were the first NCAA All-American from the University of Minnesota in swimming and in any ath- any sport, um, any first athlete. Female. First female. First, first female, yeah. my mistake. Uh, and so heading into an NCAAs or, or even a Big Tens, was that something that was on your mind? Was that a goal of yours at any point in your career? Um, it was actually AIW then. NCAAs didn't come in until, I don't know, a number of years later, but we were AIAW, Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, I believe okay. is what it stood for. Um, you know, I, I was competitive. I loved swimming. I wanted to be the best I could be at it. So I guess, to be honest, my freshman year, you know, it, it probably wasn't really on my radar. It wasn't in the budget for, for the swimming dive program to go to nationals. And so, um, you know, we ended up, you know, we had to raise part of the money. We sold t-shirts um, in the lobby of Cook Hall during the state high school swimming meets because that, you know, was always really largely attended. And um, yeah, so I, probably not even on my radar, it certainly wasn't on the radar of what at that time was, I guess, the women's athletic department, you know, which was probably an office somewhere, you know, wasn't necessarily a department, but I think as all of us involved in the sport, you're competitive and you want to, you want to get to the highest level. So, you know, I don't know if it was like a goal necessarily written down, but the, you know, I think the goal, certainly the goal for me in life is do the best you can be at whatever you're doing. And so that was, yeah. You know, in that first year, it was at Penn State um, nationals were, and obviously we hadn't made, you know, reservations as we do these days, you know, two or three years out. Thank you, Cindy Gallagher. Everybody has reservations at hotels um, so far ahead of time, but by the time we were looking to make a hotel reservation in um, at Penn State, they were also hosting the state high school wrestling tournament. And high school wrestling in Pennsylvania is huge. And so I think we ended up staying like 40 or 50 miles away at a hotel um, and driving in each day. So, and then my luggage got lost that first year too. So we had to find a swim shop. Um, again, you know, nowadays that's why we have the athletes carry everything on in their swim bags. Um, mine was in a checked bag that didn't quite make it all the way to happy Valley, but it worked. Wow. And so, so, <laughs> So the, so then, um, I mean, when you did make that all America status, was that something that you kind of realized or registered at the time? Did, did Gene, your coach register it? Did the university, were they aware of it? Um, you know, hard to, again, hard to, uh, hard to remember back then. I, you know, I, I, I assume I got some recognition, you know, it was, again, it was unique, you know, it hadn't happened before. So I don't know that anybody really, I think it probably became more recognized later on, you know, uh, as a historical event. You know, I think that it was a very fun meet for me just because, um, you know, a lot of the 72 Olympians were then like Karen Mole, Karen Mole um, Thornton was swimming at that time. And these were people that, you know, I'd heard about, I'd read about and, 
you know, it was just fun. I was a sprinter, you know, and back then there was 50s of the strokes, 100 IM. I mean, Karen Moe, I believe, was a 200 butterflyer. And so someone like myself could compete in a sprint event with a 200 Olympic butterflyer. Um, I, I do remember that as just seeing these people that in my mind were larger than life, but you know what, they're, as my club coach used to say, everybody's got two, well, you know, in, in our sport, two arms and two legs and, you know, just go out there and do what you can do. You know, it's, uh, and I think that's when you see these, you know, Olympians, they're, they're just human beings like the rest of us. And um, so that was, that was a memory for me of that, that uh, nationals, just having so many former, well, you know, 72 Olympians there competing. And so then uh, after your swimming career, you went right into coaching for the university of Minnesota. Is, is that something that you had considered? Is that something that was even on your radar? No, not really. I mean, I was a physical education major. Um, and at that time when I graduated, there were no teaching jobs in the Metro Minneapolis, St. Paul area. I would have had to move out state. Um, and that's not something I wanted to do. I didn't want to move to a smaller town out of state, out state Minnesota. Um, and then Jean kind of created the job for me. I was part-time secretary and part-time coaching, which combined to be a full-time position. Um, so I was a secretary for gymnastics and swimming and diving and then um, you know coach and in that role ironically back in the day um, <laughs> results were typed you know on the typewriter for those of you who, who know what a typewriter is and what we would do is we'd carry that typewriter our offices were on the second floor down to the pool deck um, in during diving, I would, because I was secretary, I actually would go up and type the results from the first half of the meet. And then during three meter diving, the second, you know, chunk of the meet. And then after the last relay, the final results, which again, it's interesting these days, right? When you've got four or five or six people up there trying to do results and, you know, sometimes they still can't get the score right. But uh, yeah, I mean, because there was another woman who was a secretary for men's swimming and diving and she would do the men and I do the women. And I mean, we'd score it. We, you know, how hard can it be type up, you know, <laughs> places one through eight and score nine, four, three, two, one. It's not too hard. Only three people from a team can score. And, um, but yeah, that's what I did coached and then went up and typed up the results. And I, I never, you know, fudged and gave us an extra point or two. So yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, that's pretty fascinating to me that, that there's still so many components of the college dual meet that are intact. <laughs> like, yeah, same, the same scoring, you know, 11, four, two, only two teams per, yeah, can score. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you coached with Gene for a long, long time. Um, how, how do you feel like you, your relationship with Gene developed as you went from athlete to coach and then, you know, stayed coach, um, and for, for quite a while. Um, I think like with any assistant coach, I mean, we, uh, complimented each other. I think Gene, as I kind of mentioned before with the education piece, Gene was much better at fun, you know, games and, and things like that. I'm, I'm much more methodical, you know, I, some may say boring. I, I don't, I don't know that 
people would actually say that, but, um, but definitely <laughs> measured and methodical and, and uh, a pattern to, to workouts and that sort of thing. And um, fun and games and creativity probably aren't my strength. And so we balanced each other off that way. Kind of the same with Kelly Kramer now, when we coach, I mean, he's, his mind definitely works differently than mine, you know, and I think the same thing, we, we complement each other very, very well that way. Um, and it's interesting, you know, swimmers, swimmers know who writes the practice, you know, we, um, it's always like, okay, this is a Terry practice, or this is, okay, Kelly wrote this one, it's, um, and same with, you know, when, when I worked with Jean, it was, uh, you know, if it was, if we were going to do games or something, you know, something a little out of the ordinary, that was certainly her strength. those first I don't know for maybe first 10 years maybe first 20 how do you feel like you developed as a coach obviously you said you know you're more measured and methodical um, but having had no coaching experience and then kind of going from right from an athlete to coaching um, what are what are some of the more major ways you saw yourself grow as a coach um I think, you know, with the education background, you know, you get that, you know, I had the formal education of, of lesson plans, I guess, and just doing things in, um, you know, building on building blocks, I guess. And I think as a, you grow as a coach, just as you do as a teacher, just being able to start from the basics and then add on, you know, um, like with the intervals, you know, you, you know, you start at a, a 120 or whatever, and, and you get people, and then you, you get to the 115, 110, just um, learning how to help athletes progress. You know, I think I've seen coaches who maybe come in and, and want to, you know, just do the fastest interval possible and, and kind of, I think it, it demoralizes some athletes, you know, failure. I mean, I think especially at the Division One level, you're dealing with athletes who are so competitive and I think, you know, good or bad, I think so much of their identity is tied into how they perform, not only at meets, but on a daily basis. And I think you, I believe you have to be sensitive to that. Um, and I, I, I think I grew in making practices where people can be successful and at the same time improve and get to a higher and higher level without, um, I guess trying to start at that high level and just see if they're how long they can survive, maybe if that makes sense. Um, and again, I grew to value. I think that's one of my my basic philosophy. Philosophy is you know to value and respect each individual. Um, and I do believe respect is a, it's a two way street. You know, and each fall when the new new class comes in, some people, you know, they have to respect me as well as I respect them. And I think in a lot of ways, you have to respect them before they're going to respect you as a coach, if that makes sense. Um, and with some of them, you know, you have to, you have to wait, you have to look deep to find, and I don't mean this in, in a negative way, but to find something to respect, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes you're going to have first year students come in and think, Majority are the best on their club teams or the best athlete, you know, from wherever they've come and, and they come in thinking that they kind of um, no rules are going to apply and uh, but they're smart. They're definitely smart 
um, young men and women coming into college these days. And if you compliment them when it's not meaningful, they know it. And I think they aren't gonna respect you. So I think you have to wait until you see something that death deserves the respect, deserves the compliment. And, and that really, I think, develops and sets a basic honest playing field for the relationship that you're, that you're gonna develop as a, as a coach and athlete. As, as you were developing as a coach, um, you know, developing relationships is something I feel like I hear a lot of coaches talk about and something that uh, personally seems really important to me as a coach or an athlete. Um, yeah, I think you just gave a really great example of, you know, knowing when to compliment them or comment on, on something they're doing well or not well. Did you find anything else? that maybe did work or didn't work for developing relationships with athletes? You know, I think honesty, and I think my personality is not one. Um, I'm not a yeller or a screamer, or um, I think my, my adult son, uh, his wife actually would say that um, I, never, I never really got mad or yelled, but I sure made him feel guilty a lot. Um, not a lot, but I mean, I, and I think you can develop that relationship with athletes where, you know, I want them to be accountable to themselves. And again, I think that's, that's something when you develop in a relationship and I, I, I always cringe. I don't like it when, when an athlete, so they swam for me. Um, I say, I coached you and you swam for yourself. You know, um, I don't want people thinking they're performing for me. Um, and I think it's, I don't know if I can put my finger on it, but for me as a coach, it's developing the relationship that they're a young adult and they're responsible for their performance. They're responsible for their life. And I want to be a part of it, but, um, but it's not about me if that. I don't know if that makes sense. I just talked in a circle, but, and I think the relationships you developed with, you know, for me too, it's, it's, um, the, the ones that come in and, and progress and, and succeed to the, to the highest level. That's just, it's, it's fun. Um, it's fun to be a part of, you know, and the, and the, the disappointments too, you know, there's, there's young men and women who put everything into it and give everything they've got and it. And maybe the achievement isn't quite what they had hoped for, but also helping them realize the journey. Um, and it's going to pay off maybe not in a, national championship or conference championship, but the, the journey and, and the effort and the, all the time that you've put in, all the people that you've met, all the experiences, those are things that, that um, are gonna last a lifetime. And I think was, you know, and I don't know, I have obviously much experience with other sports, but I think in swimming, like I say, I have club teammates that I could call up right now and they'd be there in a minute, even if I haven't talked to them in 20 or 30 years. You know, same with college friends, you know, when we get together, you know, we don't talk about going to nationals or winning, you know, what our times were. It's, it's the experiences that we had in college. And, and like I say, now at my age, I mean, you know, we get together and we talk, you know, marriages and, and babies and grandchildren and, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, disease and cancer and all of that. So these are people that when you, you know, I don't think you realize when you're in the recruiting process and, you know, all the stuff that we're doing nowadays, talking to 15 year olds, 
that the college that you choose and the people that you spend those four years with really are going to be your lifelong friends. Um, you know, and I don't think Minnesota is unique. We also have a lot of, you know, relationships that turn into marriage and children. So, you know, you, it's a huge, huge turning point in your life of where you go to college and where you swim, I believe. Well, I know it is, you know, and a big part of that is, is the, the coaching staffs that you at those schools. You know, I think Minnesota has been a little unique in the continuity of, of coaches that we've had. Um, you know, obviously for me, um, been there a while. So it's been great, you know, and even the, the professional relationships, you know, this last NCAAs, I mean, just all the people, you know, and all the people I've heard from, you know, the Greg Troys, the Cindy Gallagher's, uh, Kathy Wright Eager, you know, you just, um, so many friends, you know, and on the pool deck. And I think the Big Ten Conference especially is, uh, it's been a conference of, of respect, you know, with Jim Richardson and uh, Jim Montrella. And we just had some great, great people um, in the conference, you know, obviously Dan Ross and John Cleaney. I mean, it's Sue Nowitzki. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a great conference. And watching Mike Bottom coach women is always, you know, entertaining. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned um, uh, the continuity of the Minnesota coaching staff. And I, w- I would go as far to say that that is very unique, especially in our um, day and age and landscape of college coaching. Um, there has been the, quite a bit of continuity, you know, from Gene Freeman, who is there, who swam there and then, you know, and then, um, and then coached there for, for decades. And then you were in the same similar boat. Um, you mentioned Dennis before, and then, and then, um, um, I'm sorry, the the head coach Kelly. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and so the, I, I, I have to just ask what, what made you stick around Minnesota? You know, what, why, why did you want to be there from, from birth until now? Um, what made it so special that, that you ended up coaching there for 44 years? You know, Minnesota's my home. Um, obviously I, I was born and raised in Minneapolis. I'm the youngest of six children. My dad, my dad actually lived on the north side. He never lived outside a mile radius his entire life, you know, when he died at the age of 90. So I think it's just part of my, you know, he had 12 siblings. My dad came from a family of 13 and only one moved out of the state. Um, and so I think it's just part of, part of who I am. And, you know, we've had great administrations at Minnesota. Um, um, I've, it's, it's, just, it's been a great place to work. It's a great environment, obviously, with Kelly and I. Um, I loved coaching. We have similar philosophies. And same with Jean. And, you know, I have two adult sons. Both are graduates of Minnesota. My older son and his wife both work at the University of Minnesota. My younger son is a Minneapolis firefighter. Um, I have one brother that's a retired Minneapolis police officer and another one that's a retired Minneapolis firefighter. So I think it's just Minnesota is, is who I am. And I often thought if I did move, I don't know that I could coach somewhere else. Um, I just, I don't know if what kind of loyalty I have, but I couldn't imagine putting on 
especially a red sweatshirt, right? I mean, come on. But um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. You know, even when my son was like in fourth grade, we were studying geography with him and he had a blank spot on his paper to the east. And I'm like, Joe, don't you need to write Wisconsin? He said, no, I know all the rest of them. I'm getting one wrong. I'm not writing that on my paper. You know, and it's not like we sat around the kitchen table and talked about it. I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I can't explain it. I guess just I love Minnesota. It's it's my home, and um, I love. You know, we get knocked a lot about our our climate, our weather, but you know, I embrace it. I uh, love cross country skiing and skating, and you know, summers biking and running, and so yeah, I just. It is who I am, I guess. I mean, again, there has been a lot of continuity with coaching there. Do you, maybe you don't know anything else, but, you know, there are so many coaches who just go from place to place and, um, you know, after one or two or three years. And I mean, do you feel like you've really gotten to know the people you coach with and, and really develop the, maybe a deeper relationship than, than other coaches you've come into contact with through Minnesota that are only there for, for a short while? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, you know, uh, and I've grown. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I've had a hard time when we've had assistant coaches leave. Um, and this is a weakness of mine, I think, because it actually affected friendships when they're, you know, they're my friends, but I, to me, it was just, you know, how could you, how could you leave Minnesota? And if you did what well, you did, then I'm not your friend, which I had to do some personal reflection on that. Um, you know, it's, it's my journey. It's not theirs. Um, and ironically, I would say, you know, they, they miss Minnesota after they leave. Uh, it's, it's not the same everywhere. Um, you know, we, yeah, we're treated well. We have, we've, like I said, We've had great um, athletic directors over the years. And, um, you know, I think with the people I've coached with, you know, with Kelly and now with Jesse and Jeff and, and Maddie, it's you recruit athletes who whose personalities fit your values. And so you, you create a team, to me, of, of very, very good people. Um, and... That's been, I think that makes it, I guess, maybe easier to coach, you know, where I know, you know, there's, there was a time when Kelly and I passed on a, on an athlete who was, you know, would have been a major, major player. Um, but on the recruit visit, we just felt it, it was not a good fit socially. And uh, we passed on, on that athlete. And I think there's programs that wouldn't have done that. Well, obviously she ended, she ended up on a, on a national championship team actually, but um, we might've changed our mind. But anyways, um, I think there are programs that, that will bring athletes in like that, that may not fit the, the values of their team and, and hope to change them. And, um, and that's great if, if you can. But, um, you know, I think for us, it's, it's been one of bringing the people in that, that reflect our values. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, 
like you said, I think some programs would act differently or, or take a different course of action, but you know, the, it, it seems like as Minnesotans, you know who you are and, and you know kind of what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and so th- throughout this um, career, obviously, which started in 70s, 80s, um, you've seen a lot change within the uh, what is now the NCAA, um, especially on the women's side, I, w- I would imagine. Um, not just, you know, you've talked about the, the travel and the recruiting process, but um, just kind of in a bigger scope, um, what are some of the things that you've noticed change in this collegiate athletics landscape over the past four or five decades? Well, you know, everything, right? Um, and I think good and, and bad, I think for me, and I think, I hope I've left this as part of my legacy to make sure that the student athletes that we work with realize um, how much they have, how many opportunities they have. And, you know, I think, you know, right now, when a, you know, they've got, well, everything from nutrition, you know, the training table, they've got massage for, for um, you know, recovery, um, nutrition, education, all the psych, you know, sports psych, as well as, you know, general psychology, psych um, help whenever they would want it or need it. And I think just, you know, and I think that's what's sometimes hard for um, alumni my age when we're looking to do some fundraising, you know, whether it be for training trip or, um, or really any of this stuff. I think people my age are, are look at it and think, well, we did it all by ourselves. You know, I have colleagues that I swam with, you know, one's a judge, I've got a medical doctor and you know, obviously achieved to the highest academically as well as athletically, and they didn't have all the services that that we now provide. Um, and so, you know, academic counseling, and it's uh, we're giving these student athletes every every help that they need. I don't know if they need, but every help that they um, to achieve to the highest. And and sometimes I I think we're doing them a disservice in some ways because I think. Um, some of these student athletes are graduating after four years and they have no idea some of the basic skills that a non-student athlete has. Like, you know, they don't even have to make their own doctor's appointments, right? They see the athletic trainer, the athletic trainer takes care of everything for them. They have a problem with the class, they go to their academic counselor and the academic counselor helps them, you know, if they're having a bad day or week or, or struggling they they get in with a with a counselor um they don't some of them don't even have to cook right they just you know go to the training table three times a day so it's i it's great but um like i say i think and I, I look back not that many years ago maybe I mean, 15 years ago people people couldn't wait to graduate from college and get out and and be done swimming. It used to be the countdown, right? To your last meet um, and you're done. Now they don't want to leave. I mean, you think about what we've given them, the environment they're in, who'd want to leave, right? I mean, everything is provided for them. So that's good. And it's, it's also, I think, 
that bothers me a little with my values, I guess. Um, but I think too, just, it's been great, um, great journey. And I think just reminding every year the student athletes to be thankful for what they have and the opportunities they have, you know, especially this past year, and especially in our conference, you know, losing the Michigan State program and losing Iowa men. I mean, it's, uh, you know, don't take any of this for granted, you know, value each day and every opportunity that you have because, you know, who knows what's going to happen um, on the athletic landscape with, with finances. But This year has been much different than any other year with the COVID-19 pandemic as this was your last season and were there things that stood out to you or that, you know, you'll, you'll really remember you think moving forward just about this last season for you? Yeah. You know, this, it was, it was a rough, obviously year to coach, you know, I, I, you know, we were, we're still under the restriction of two per lane opposite ends of the pool and, you know, coaching with a mask on, uh, I really miss the, you know, having four or five in a lane and, and just the, the competitiveness within practice and just the, the interaction at the, you know, at the end of the pool when they're all there, when, you know, somebody catches somebody and, you know, somebody else is, you know, egging somebody on for, you know, slacking at the back. And, um, and I do think this year for us, it, it, it affected our, our competitiveness some, I think, you know, you got your own lane swimming by yourself. It's, um, you don't have that, um, I don't know if it's pressure necessarily, but certainly, you know, if you've got somebody five seconds behind you, you don't slack at all. But if you're, you know, you're just there by yourself and, eh. but yeah, the team handled it well, you know, they were looking so forward to, to competing finally, you know, in February and the fact that we were able to have a Big Ten championship and an NCAA championship uh, obviously was great. And, you know, to come away from those two meets with four, four national titles, you know, I probably couldn't have written it any better, right? Um, you know, Sarah Bacon winning one and three meter boards and then Max McHugh winning the 102 in a breaststroke. Uh, it was, it made being in Greensboro, North Carolina for two weeks worth it. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful facility. Greensboro in two weeks is a lot, but um, like you said, you know, yeah, national titles both weeks seems like a good way to go out. Um, Terry, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me today and, and talk through some of the highlights of your athletic and coaching career. Before we sign off today, any parting thoughts? No, I just, you know, I guess thank you to the swimming community and um, certainly value each and every individual that has crossed my path professionally, um, you know, whether as a student athlete or as a coach, it's it's been, I couldn't have asked for a better career. Um, great, great people. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.